0: Hello, welcome to another episode of A Pastor and His People. I am Pastor Witt, here with the Pastor Dave Key, (laughs) Coming in at (laughs) 6'2", 200 some pounds. (laughs) Well, uh, we're here, we started a new book. Book of Acts. The Book of Acts. Whose Acts is it? Uh, I believe it's the Acts of the Risen Lord Jesus. But is, So there is that is up for debate. Is that worth it?
1: Yeah, that's up for debate. I mean, if you look at most Bibles, it'll it'll call it the Acts of the Apostles. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people will say, well, there's such a heavy emphasis on the Holy Spirit. it be the Acts of the Holy Spirit. But I think in, in Luke's opening lines, you know, I think that he's trying to make the point that Jesus Christ is still the main character um, hmm. and the main initiator in the book of Acts. That's why I'm going to call it the Acts of the Risen Lord Jesus.
0: So is the book... Apparently, just called the
1: Acts. Uh, yes, uh, it was. It was actually not. Um, there's been no in the original manuscript. There's no title to it. Um, just a second letter to the Yeah. Um, actually, let me let me change it. What I meant to say is that there's no uh, author, right? So hmm. scholars always kind of agree that it's Luke. That right. There's no like name in the original manuscript. The Acts of the Apostles may be there most bibles have it called the acts of the apostles not just acts Hmm. um so i'm not exactly sure on on that i I do think what luke is trying to do though is is, again what jesus began to do and teach in the the gospel of luke now he's trying to show uh what jesus continues to do in the life of the church
0: gotcha gotcha okay so um well let's go through this acts chapter one verses one through eleven um Verses 1-5, through I believe is your first point, the inauguration of the kingdom. It says, The first book O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presents himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Um, all right, so you're opening up Acts, first point, the inauguration of the kingdom. What do you, what's the main point there? What are you trying to drive home?
1: Yeah, so in Luke Acts, uh, you see a heavy emphasis on the kingdom, a lot in uh, the gospel of Luke. Mm-hmm. So he talks about the kingdom of God a lot, and Jesus says, I've come to preach the good news of the kingdom of God, right? That's why I've come. So he mentions that two different places. He sends that the apostles to preach the message of the kingdom. Um, and then in Acts, Luke 17, he says that the kingdom, if, if these healings are from me and I'm from God, then the kingdom of God has, is in your midst. Mm-hmm. So I think that what I think that Luke is doing here is he's kind of expanding the kingdom, right? Not using kingdom language, but how does one enter into the kingdom? Right, hmm. uh, so Jesus Christ has inaugurated the kingdom with His presence on earth, right, and He's going to, you know, inaugurate the kingdom in the uh, in the coming of the Holy Spirit more formally. Uh, but now He's trying. To, how does the kingdom of God expand now? Well, it's, it expands through the preaching of the word and through um, miracles, like it did in Luke in Jesus' ministry. Mm-hmm. It's going to do through miracles in the kind of the initiation uh, to new people groups in Acts. And now I think the true miracle that happens is conversion, right, with believers, those who are sinners, have been transformed by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to let their light shine before men in, in a holy living. So so I think what I'm trying to draw out here is um, how the kingdom of God shows itself in the life of the church. Mm-hmm. I think this
0: is what Luke's doing, right? So if you look at, you know, I kind of mentioned this in a sermon, but... It has been my question yeah. for you because your introduction was sequels, right? This yes. is a sequel great sequels in yeah. history empire strikes back and two towers you know we can keep going but uh, is there something that maybe like we need to know about Luke before reading Acts? Need you mean know about Luke's gospel? Right, cuz you're kind of hitting that a little bit there just like all right, this Yeah, is so they're tell me, like, you know, this is actually Luke wrote most of the New Testament or right?
1: 25% of the New Testament mm-hmm. is actually Luke. Paul wrote more books, but Luke wrote more volume. Uh, so when you look at an author, it's all context, right? So Luke is writing Acts, well then, for what did else Luke write? Well, he wrote the Gospel of Luke. So this is a a two-part sequel, Mm -hmm. so that we need to understand how he approached, you know, so in in Luke's Gospel, the things that he emphasizes the most is kind of this great reversal, right? So Mm -hmm. Luke has a heavy emphasis on the lost, a heavy emphasis on the poor, um, versus like how the people who are rich now are going to be poor later, people who are poor now are going to be rich later, this is kind of this great reversal, and a heavy emphasis on the kingdom of God. Mm. If you read through the ending of Luke's gospel, Luke's passion, Luke 22, 23, the word "innocent" is used a lot. Mm. So Jesus is the innocent Son of God. Just a small little emphasis there. Um, so I think that there's, you know, most people think that Matthew, right? You're the Matthew scholar in the church. <laughs> um, is a kind of he talks a lot more about the Old Testament in terms of the fulfillment, where Jesus is the new Moses, right? You yeah. know, um, in but in reality, of, they're
0: all. Heavy Old Testament. They're heavy
1: Old Testament, but I think if you're going to look at the audience, mm-hmm. you know Luke is probably writing more to a Gentile audience than, yeah. than Matthew is. So, um, but anyway, so I think Luke talks a lot about the kingdom, mm-hmm. right? And then in Acts, he doesn't. Well, you have to ask yourself, well, why is that, yeah. right? And I kind of make the point that he's trying to draw this out in terms of this preaching of the kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of Luke's gospel, it says that that we we need to preach and proclaim forgiveness. And repentance through Christ. And this is, you are my witnesses. Hmm. It says that at the end of Luke's gospel. And then, well, the whole book of Acts is how are we witnesses to the kingdom of God? Well, we do that through preaching and through, um, you know, miraculous acts. Or we can even call that miraculous living, even now, right? Yeah. Um, so I think if you look at Luke's gospel, you see right there in verse 3, it says, uh, Jesus was speaking about the kingdom of God. In verse 6, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? There's this kingdom language. Mm -hmm. At the end of the book of Acts, Acts 28, 23, Acts 30, 31, 28, 30, 31, uh, Paul is talking about the kingdom of God um, and proclaiming with all boldness. The idea of boldness there is connected to power with the Holy Spirit, this idea of witnessing. So Luke is kind of doing a bookend there, saying there's the preaching of the kingdom of God at the beginning. Jesus teaches it. Paul is continuing to preach about the kingdom of God. Everything in the middle Right is how the kingdom of God it grows and expands, hmm. which would be the preaching
0: of the of the word. So is it? So then, I guess with that being said, if that's kind of the beginning, is how is it, is this an instructive book? Did Luke intend that to be instructive for us? Yeah, yeah. So
1: I made I made a very brief comment towards the end, right? So when you're reading Acts, one of the most important interpretive uh, things that you have to decide is what is normative, right, and what is descriptive. Meaning, okay, Luke is a historian. What is he just describing? Right, well, we're talking about a little bit of this next week because I think, you know, when they chose uh, Matthias to be the apostle, they cast lots. Yeah, we don't typically do that today in, in the church. We're not, we're not rolling, dice. Oh, who's going to be in the next pastor of the church? Right, we didn't um, do that yesterday. Yeah, Remember, we, we, we um, uh, So I think that's more descriptive. That's right. what the apostles did. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not normative. Right. Yeah. That's not uh, prescribed. This is how the church should do things. So you have to understand, okay, what is describing and what is prescribing and what is normative. So uh, that's going to, be, going to be a huge thing. You okay. know? So I think that when you look at the book of Acts, it is meant to be instructive at certain places. right? I think Luke does this specifically in kind of his summary statements. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the end of chapter 2, for example, there's a summary statement about the church. End of chapter 4, there's another summary statement. Yeah. Um, and those are kind of keyed. At different parts in the book, almost like that's going to be kind of like the ending of a section mm. before a new section
0: kind of um, yeah. starts. Yeah. Uh, well, your second point: the restoration of the kingdom, verses six through seven. It says so when they had come together, they asked him, "Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel?" He said, to "Them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority." Uh, That's right, 6 or 7, the same point, the restoration. Um, What was your main takeaway there?
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, a lot of times you hear this preached, and you hear that, uh, how silly the apostles are here for even asking the question. They are so um, dull to Mm -hmm. realize that Jesus, of course, is not going to restore the the, the nation of Israel. But I don't think, it doesn't say restore the nation of Israel, it says the kingdom of Israel, right? Mm -hmm. And Jesus just talked to them for 40 days about the kingdom of Israel. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the, the question that I'm kind of coming up with, that's a very natural question, yeah. right? They should have been asking that question.
0: Especially um, you're saying with the emphasis on Ezekiel 37. Yeah, so Ezekiel
1: 37, this idea of this, the Spirit's going to come, mm-hmm. right? And the Spirit's going to take dry bones and it's going to kind of put flesh around them, right? So yeah. that the preaching, the proclamation of the Word is going to cause new life, mm-hmm. right? By the power of the Spirit. Jesus just says, the Holy Spirit is going to come on the promise of the Father. So, a promise, when it's promised and prophesied from the Father, Jesus' own ministry, mm-hmm. all the way back to Ezekiel 37, they would have heard, okay, you are now going to take two nations, two kingdoms, and make them one. Because that's the prophecy there, right? Mm-hmm. Normally, when we read Ezekiel 37, uh, we stop at verse 12, right? And that's just the the, the the preaching to dry bones, dry bones becoming flesh, and army kind of going out. Right. But if you continue reading, it's one continuous thought. There's this idea of he's going to take. Uh, two kingdoms making one, and there's going to be one shepherd, mm-hmm. the son of David, right? You know, the,
0: the, 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 David. So, would the two kingdoms here kind of is this uh, you know revealed in Acts? Is it Jews and Gentiles? Yes, but it's not just Jews and Gentiles because
1: if you look at and I, I kind of kind of carry this on to the next point. Mm-hmm. So, when Jesus answered them, right, he says, "It's not for you to know the times and dates that the Father's fixed by His own authority." Right? Don't focus on the when, but you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit, you yeah. know, is it comes upon you, uh, and uh, to where to Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. So I think what Jesus is saying there is that he's saying this it's going to be in Judea, which represents the southern kingdom, right, yeah. the tribes of Judah, the two tribes of Judah, and Samaria, right? Because in First in, in Kings twelve, uh, Samaria was kind of set up as kind of like the capital right. of the northern kingdom. So. When, they were, when Samaria was destroyed, the northern kingdom was destroyed. Mm-hmm. So in many times we'll think, well, the northern kingdom never came back, right? But the people of Samaria, right, that's where they're going to be witnesses to, and the people of Judah represent all of the nation of Israel, yeah. and they're going to be coming together back as one, right? So the nation will be a united Israel, but it's not just the united Israel. It's also going to include the Gentiles to the ends of the earth, mm-hmm. right? So I think that how Jesus answers them the question, he doesn't rebuke them, what he's saying is, don't focus on the times. You're going to start restoring the kingdom of Israel now through the preaching of the word, because mm. Jesus said, "My kingdom is not, you know, of this world." You know, he's going to be restoring a physical, um, not a nation state, right? But he is going to mark off people for himself, mm-hmm. right, from every tribe, tongue, language, and people. You, I
0: mean, there's all. You said scholars kind of rebuke this, is almost like, how could they? Yeah. Uh, do you think they were thinking more physical than spiritual at this point? I don't think that they fully understood. Okay. But so they weren't still. You I, know. I, yeah,
1: but I don't think that they were thinking that right now Jesus was going to, like they were before. Right. You know, because, you know, I think that when Jesus marched into um, Jerusalem for his crucifixion, mm-hmm. I think they're thinking right now Jesus is going to come restore the nation of Israel in right. power, military. I don't think they're thinking that now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Partly because they've seen him die and then he was raised. Right. And after his resurrection, He's telling them about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So I I think he's clarifying a lot of things there. Right. Yeah. I mean, even if you look at the, the the road to Emmaus, how Jesus reinterprets the whole entire Old Testament. I think he didn't do that just for the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. If you look at the end of Luke's gospel, right, it's, opened his mind. Yeah. He opened their minds too. So I think there's something along that. What Jesus told them is he reinterpreted the hot, the entire Old Testament to help them understand rightly. Right. Yeah. So he didn't give them times and dates, but he says, okay, now as you enter into this, the age of the church, the messianic age, it's going to come through the preaching of the word.
0: You made an application there uh, about times and seasons, right? If someone gives you a date, you probably should not listen to that person. Yes. Is, do you find that a common thing, or is that more of like a just... So one of, the, one of the
1: marks of false prophets is false prophets say things that don't come true. right? Hmm. We see that in the Old Testament. So just try to avoid that. If Jesus says you won't know the times and dates, I mean, Paul says the the end of the the world is going to come like a thief in the night. Mm -hmm. I just when people are so confident this is this means this thing when it comes to prophetic language, I would just be really cautious of those folks. Yeah, because reality is you don't know, right? Um, And even those who are you know big sixteen eighty nine folks in sixteen eighty nine, the the Catechism right or the Statement of Faith calls the Pope the Antichrist, Mm. right? So, I mean. There's lots of people who write lots of things who may not be fully understanding of what reality is. Hmm. Now, I think the Pope is an Antichrist, right? Because he doesn't preach the true gospel, right? doesn't think the people are saved only through
0: faith in Christ. Right. Uh, but is
1: he the Antichrist? Well, then I'm not really sure that's the case. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, so third point, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Uh, so you did make the point that this is an outline of the book of Acts, yes, yes. but it's not just the outline of the book of the Acts. Yeah, so if you if you kind of
1: walk through the entire book, uh, we're going to see the gospel come by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem, uh, and then Judea 3 through 7, and then Samaria chapter 8, and then to the end of the earth. Kind of getting, getting really with the ap- calling of the Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the setup point 13 through 28 is kind of the end of the book. Um, but I think it's far more than that. And this was a, a lot of it, honestly, was my own study, you know, that I hadn't even seen before. The allusions to Isaiah, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Isaiah is a huge book when it comes to understanding the New Testament because he's referenced a lot in, mm-hmm. all, in all the writings. Isaiah is the most referenced book
0: yeah, in the New Testament. Let's go to the earlier, like Matthew is the Old Testament, but in reality, I mean, even here in Acts, you're like, it's just so much Old Testament that we sometimes, Matthew's more explicit, like, he fulfilled yeah. this, but Luke and John, Mark, they're still. Referencing all the time. Yeah, and
1: I, I don't think that we understand how much Old Testament they would have known, mm-hmm. right? So just think about this in our own language, right? If I um, make a kind of a cultural reference, right? Um, you know, so someone in my generation, vanilla ice, this is a horrible analogy, but just rock with me for a second, right? So vanilla ice. Hold on, folks, it's gone somewhere. Um, so if I were to say, all
0: right, stop. Really so you you know you
1: know you know how to finish it right yeah. because that is so such a cultural part of of, of our American uh, American uh, culture. Uh, well, imagine the the Israelite, mm-hmm. the Israelite culture wasn't pop culture; it was the Bible, yeah. right? So when, when you would have heard uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the Spirit being poured out, you would have been transferred back to Isaiah, and you would have known it, mm-hmm. right? you would been able to finish the next line, yeah. right? So that the, the when when the Old Testament when the New Testament writers Make allusions to the Old Testament. um, Most of the readers would have gotten it Mm -hmm. because they're making explicit reference. So when he says the Spirit poured out upon you, Mm -hmm. you will be my witnesses, right? They're going back to Isaiah, right? It would have been very natural for them Uh, when they have Isaiah forty nine six when it says that you will, you know, it's it's too small a thing for my servant just to be, um, you know, a light for Israel. No, he's going to be a light to the ends of the earth, Mm -hmm. right to the nations. Well, again, all that's going back to even we talked about last night in Genesis chapter 12 and the promise fulfilled to the entire entire world. So I, I think what Jesus is doing here is he, this is ha- not just the outline of the book of Acts. This is God's salvation uh, timeline. He's going to come to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And we are in the end of the earth, right? We are in Acts 29. Right? Mm-hmm. We are in the, the after, um, the ending of the, the kind of revelation of
0: history. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was really interesting because this verse is, Right, it says, witnesses Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, right? You not everyone. But you made a point to draw the as ex- I can't say that word. Exclusivity. There it is, the first try. Uh, <laughs> of um, this. What, what were you trying to do there? Because it seems like this is more of an inclusive text, not an exclusive text.
1: Yeah, well, I think that, you know, one of these ideas, okay, if I'm thinking about what is Luke's main aim of writing Acts, he's trying to show how can people enter the kingdom, right? It's the preaching gospel. Mm -hmm. And how do you enter the kingdom but showing allegiance to the king, right? Right. So anyone is welcome, right, to the ends of the earth, right? It's open up to the entire world, Mm -hmm. but you've got to come to the Savior, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's specifically me drawing out what happened in Isaiah 43 and 44. Mm -hmm. If you read beginning of Isaiah 43 and read all the way to Isaiah 44, 8, Mm -hmm. right, what you're going to see is the same theme you will be my witnesses, and the witness to what? That there is no God but Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Right? There's only, the only Savior is Yahweh. Well, I think that's what the resurrection shows. right? jesus the, the idea of resurrection wasn't even a thing until Jesus was raised from the dead. It's kind of more common in our culture because of Christ. Mm-hmm. But when he rose from the dead, he, he vindicated death. He's showing that I am the only way to mm-hmm. salvation. Uh, so I think that what Luke is trying to show that if you want to be part of the kingdom of God, you need to approach Him like a child, in submission, in in full allegiance and trust to Him, and then you can come into the kingdom. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and we have the power of the Holy Spirit to share that message, and we believe that when we when it's shared, people are going to believe um, and be saved.
0: That's good. Um, our fourth and last point: the reign of the kingdom, verses nine through eleven. It says when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Uh, And so your point, the reign of the kingdom, where do you see raining here from him just going up into heaven? So this is just the, the, the language
1: of, of his um, when he ascended to heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, usually when we talk about the gospel, right? We'll say Jesus died for my sins. If we're biblical, we'll say he rose from the dead, mm-hmm. right? are um, biblical, yes. Uh, but he doesn't. We don't often talk about the the, the ascension. Mm-hmm. Well, he ascended and did what? He sat down at the right hand of God. So when you hear, see ascending language, right, in the Bible, mm-hmm. you're thinking about Jesus taking his place at the right hand of God. Full authority, full power, mm-hmm. right? He is the king. He, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And it's proved with, by him sitting down in heaven. Mm-hmm. He is the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. That's why I connected it to his return, right? You know, yeah. with on his shirt, on his thigh, tattooed up. The King tattooed, of
0: tattooed uh, us. So is that reason we should get tattoos? Is that what you're saying? I believe you should
1: talk to Pastor Keith Foster. He's, a, he's, <laughs> he's, he's,
0: a, he's our tattoo expert at the church. Uh-huh. Um, so, in, I mean, I, we haven't really drawn out that many applications for us. Maybe looking back on the uh, first, you know, eleven verses, you did talk about here. Is it? You said the words kind of get busy witnessing. Is that kind of the implication for us from this text as well? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, if you look at what is the calling
1: of Christians today, the calling of Christians is to be witnesses of the resurrection, right? So how do you witness the resurrection? Mm-hmm. You witness the resurrection by what you believe, by what you share. We believe that Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again, right? And if you repent of your sins and trust in him, you will be saved. Mm-hmm. When you call upon the name of the Lord, will be saved. So that's the witness. So would you say witness is more of a verbal thing? Well, that's part of it, right? But I think that the, the second idea of witnessing is demonstrating a life that has been transformed, mm-hmm. right? So if we believe the Old Testament is true, if we believe the New Testament is true, is that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we are transformed, right? We are no longer the old man. We are, we are the new man in Christ, the new woman in Christ. And because of that, we're going to live differently. Our speech will change. Mm-hmm. Our, our kindness will change. Our, our joy will change. And, you know, to Matthew's point, Jesus says, let your light shine before men. Right, so that all may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So when people see that we are changed people, transformed, they'll say, man, the gospel is true. The resurrection is true. Right, And partly it's because of how we love one another in, in the fellowship of the church, but it's because we don't steal. We don't lie. We don't cheat. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't use language to, to hurt people. Why? Because we've been changed. We've been transformed. And when people see that, the transformation, the miracle of a changed life, with the, the power of the witness of our words, words and and life, people will say, "I want that Jesus. Hmm. I want the King of Kings and Lord of Lords because He's true, and I've seen it demonstrated by these witnesses of the resurrection." Yeah. So that's the job of the church.
0: Is there uh, any other applications that you want to you may know, encourage people listening right now?
1: I knew when I fi- finished the sermon, I had no applications. Right. I, there was very little applications in right. uh, my sermon. I knew that, and I was fine with it. Because I think the main point is being witnesses, and we'll have plenty of application throughout the book. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that sometimes I wanted to really teach the the doctrine of -hmm. the book: why are we going this way? And hopefully, people can kind of maybe draw their own applications. But the bottom line is, is we're called to witnesses. Now, the rest of the book, we'll understand what does that look like and how we do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, I guess in general, looking back, whether Jonah, Matthew nine, now in Acts, is there an emphasis coming from you know? or what we're choosing to preach on evangelism, uh, or is that just having to be a coincidence? Well, I mean, I
1: think that, uh, it's a little bit of a coincidence, um, but I do think that, um, it's not fully a coincidence. Yeah. I think that we need more emphasis on, um, our role as kingdom citizens. Hmm. And that part of that is life. Part of that is uh, proclamation. Hmm. So that's good. Well, I'm
0: looking forward to, uh, the rest of Acts. Uh, you, I'm gonna pray a Okay. Yep. Please. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for Christ, the risen King, and that He is seated on the right hand, interceding on our behalf. We also, the scepter is between His feet, that He is King Jesus over the whole universe, and He, as our King, has sent us to be witnesses to His death and His resurrection, calling uh, men, women, and children uh, to Him, uh, the, uh, the only way to salvation is by repenting of our sin and believing in Jesus. I pray, God, that you would help us to make much of our king, help us to be uh, loyal servants, uh, living a life that looks transformed because we have been, but also having the gospel on uh, the tip of our tongue for our brothers and sisters, but also uh, to the sheep that are wandering from the fold. I pray, Lord, that you would send your spirit to help us uh, as you... Helped the uh, saints in Acts, Lord. I pray uh, you would help us as well to live lives uh, to make much of Jesus. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.